0: Our children are able to be dismissed to Children's Church at this time. Y'all go have fun and learn about God's love. And uh, our prayer is always that our children will know God loves them, that they will choose to follow His Son, Jesus, and that they will be filled with His Spirit. And uh, that's what we hope to accomplish Uh, uh, each and every time we gather, not only for our children, but for us, that we would know God's love. Do you know God loves you with an everlasting, never-ending, always-and-forever sort of love? How do you know that? You don't know it if uh, if you think, well, that means that I'm never going to have a transmission go out on me. <laughs> or I'm not going to have anybody in my family get hurt. Or all the brakes are going to go my way. No, nope. no. God never placed his love on those sorts of things. In fact, Jesus said that to his disciples. He said, you're going to face some hard times. Uh, But God did reveal his love to us. And Paul says it like this. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed us his love for us as we are. You see... People want to say, well, you need to change so that you can accept that love, but it's that love that changes you. And until you can accept that God accepts you, that he loves you, fully you, period, nonstop, like no stop there, just he loves you. I said nonstop. I meant full stop there. He loves you without you ever having to do a thing to correct yourself to fix yourself you don't have to hide from him you can come boldly before him until we can accept that God accepts us as we are we would talk about it like this you need to confess you need to acknowledge and realize and confess that you're a sinner another way of saying that is just accept the fact that you're broken That you have a lot of potential for good, and you do a lot of good, but you also have a capacity to be petty, to be frivolous, to be naive, to be foolish, to be hurtful, hateful, malicious, to be drawn away of your own lust. And uh, God loves you. Brother Mitch, will you hit that? air conditioner down just a little bit. This is a weird season. Miss Barbara is going to be the only one who hates me for this. But I can put up with Barbara's hate because she loves me so much, right? And so uh, it's like, it, 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 you don't, don't worry about touching that other one, Brother Mitch. This one will be good. Thank you. So we got to know that God loves us. He accepts us. When we think about, like, confess your sin and, you know, you need to know all come short of the glory of God. That's another way of just saying, hey, just acknowledge that you're, you don't get it right all the time. And that doesn't stop God from loving you. It never stopped him from loving you. So in that, uh, we have this revealed that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so if God showed us his love through his son Jesus, then we should each and every day choose to follow this liberating King Jesus. This one who is revealed God's love to us. Revealed God's desire to be in union and relationship with us and what jesus promises is when we when we, when we trust him when we follow him uh, like we get a whole lot of things everybody wants to think about highlight on the forgiveness of sins let's take a step back he gives us his spirit this spirit that that leads us into all truth the spirit that comforts us the spirit that that helps correct us he gives us his spirit and And yes, we do get forgiveness of sins. Yes, we do have this promise and this hope of eternal life. That's what we want for our children. That's what we want for all of us this morning. So with that, let's just do this. Let's just bow before the Lord and let's just think about these things. Have you accepted God's love of you? Have you accepted God's acceptance of you? Would be a way to put that. Have you chosen to follow Jesus? Are you choosing each day to to walk in his spirit, to receive the fullness, the gifting of his spirit, and to stand confidently and boldly in that? I'm going to give you a moment just to process that and pray, and then I'm going to pray over us. If you're praying, I don't want to interrupt your prayer. Lord God, I love you and I thank you for who you are. I thank you that we know you as love. And that we can love because you first loved us. We can love you because you first loved us. Without knowing that you first loved us, Lord, we were scared, we were afraid. Without knowing that you first loved us, we we came up with all these religious systems in which we could get into your good graces which was a futile endeavor because we never needed to get into your good graces. You you told, you told the ancients. You said uh, to Moses, "I will bless those who I bless impartially," and we know the flip side: I'll curse those who I curse. But Lord, thank you that you do not only reign on the just. God, we pray and we thank you for your so great love. Your always and forever, never-ending sort of love, Lord. I pray that uh, we will accept that you love us. And that that will be what transforms us. That will be what motivates us. Identifies us. We are the beloved sons and daughters. The creator of all things. This has been revealed to us. In your son, Jesus, so Lord, we want to, my prayers that we each choose to follow him. Lord, there's a point of entrance in which a lot of people call salvation or making a profession of faith, but Lord, it's a choice we have to make every day. May we choose each day to follow your son, Jesus. Lord, you've, you've promised us the gifting of your spirit, the feeling and us walking in your spirit, Lord. I pray that we would we would hear your spirit's voice we would be attuned to your spirit's voice lord as we are gathered here today i pray and i ask that your spirit would speak that we would know that 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 that, that, that you are present with us you are present with us uh, through your spirit lord you 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 embody and you inhabit like these songs of praise that we've sung lord and uh, lord and then we're going to partake of the lord's supper and lord we know that uh, this is a this is a meal in which we do in remembrance Of your son Jesus. And his desire to be eat that meal presently with his disciples, Lord. Uh, We pray and we ask that uh, uh, you would be with us. Pray that we would be attuned to you. We would hear what you have for us to hear. Uh, I pray all these things in the mighty resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you have to offer? What do you have to offer? Now, theologically, a lot of people will say, "Well, I don't have it; you know, I come empty-handed." Uh, and there's a truth to that, um, but I, I, I also think that we need to not think that we have nothing to offer. We're coming to a passage in uh, First Peter, chapter number four, where. Where Peter is going to talk about how we need to be generous with our love. We need to be generous with our hospitality. We need to do that without complaining, grumbling, begrudging. Um, And and, and then he says, I want you to use the gifts that God has given you. And you know, it's Thanksgiving week, and I just thought about this like, this idea of like, let's highlight on this aspect that we've been given gifts for God to be used. To serve one another, to love one another, to to, to, to to care for one another. And these gifts are to be used in service of one another. But as I talked about that just a minute ago, this word acceptance, I wonder if you've accepted the fact that God has gifted you. He, he, he doesn't just gift the, the, the talented singers and musicians that we have up here on this platform. He doesn't gift uh, this bumbling buffoon up here that you see before you uh, the spirit doesn't just gift men it doesn't just gift women it gifts everyone and it doesn't say men get certain gifts and women get certain other gifts it gifts everyone the spirit blows as the spirit so desires the spirit doesn't say hey i'll only gift those who are like mature and aged the Spirit says, from, 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 from the young to the old, I will gift. And those gifts, those gifts can be used in service for one another. And the reason why I ask this question and why I uh, have this in consideration this morning is, is, is unless you've accepted the fact that you've been gifted by God and, and maybe you've been able to name those gifts, how are you going to use them in service for another? Unless you've accepted, hey, God's given me this ability, this this skill, this 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 intimate understanding, this wisdom. How are you going to know and confidently know I can do this? I can tell you right now, I'm not gifted at a lot of things. I I, I do. Uh, I'm one of those, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Right? Have y'all heard that phrase before? I can do a lot of things. I don't do all of them like. Super well. They're they're proficient, maybe. But I, I know this. I know that whenever I think about what God, what he calls me, he calls me pastor. Eugene Peterson says that, you know, he thinks about, and people throw out these terms, vocation, calling, identity, you know, career, whatever. And, and, and so you need to know how people are defining different terms. But the way that he would say it, he would say his vocation, he sees his identity as like his vocation. Like whether he were leading a church or pastoring in a church, he would say, I'm a pastor. Whenever I read those words, uh, many years ago I, it, it resonated so deeply with me because I thought man I'm not a pastor because uh, 15 years ago friends of Baptist Church called me and some people laid their hands on me and they and they said you know we want you to we we want you to shepherd us I've been a pastor like that's who god created me to be I was pastoring in third grade. I wasn't doing it at the same level that I'm doing it, Uh, and and sometimes I wasn't pastoring in the right direction. My dad used to always say, you're supposed to be a leader. I was like, well, I was the one who led the group. (laughs) uh, You did a lot where I was leading them, but I did lead the group uh, that night. Um, Funny story, we got pulled over one night. Uh, my mom, famous last words, right? She, we got to go see a, a late movie. I mean, it was probably started at like 11 or 1130 and we were like 16 or 17 in high school. And um, <clears throat> we were, um, maybe I was even 15. I wasn't even driving yet. I was in Nick's Dodge Omni, four by four super sport hatchback. If y'all know what a Dodge Omni is, you know, it's not a four by four. You know that it's not a super sport. <laughs> it was a hatchback though. But uh, we were in his car and my mom said, like she said, if anybody messes with you while you're driving, leave them alone. Just keep your head straight and go on home. Well, famous last words, right? So we were we were driving. We had gone seeing the movie. You know, it's 12.30, 1 o'clock. Unbeknownst to my parents, there was a curfew in Friendswood at this time. I think there still is. And so I wasn't supposed to be out past midnight, um, but uh, I knew it. I just didn't let them know about this information. Um, but we were driving, and and we're about to turn. We're on 528, and we're about to turn on to Sunset. And then we're going to go from Sunset, we're going to go to Briar Meadow, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to end at Londonderry Street at my friend Joe Bogan's house, and there's a few of us in the car. And as we're about to turn, these girls drive by, and, you know, I forget, like, what, what they did. They got our attention. I mean, and what does it take to get, like, a high school guy's attention from a girl? Not very much, right? And so, and then, and we were about to turn off, and um, and uh they were like, "Oh, those girls, like they, like they were interested in us, you know, or whatever. They were getting our attention." And so, uh, they were like, "What should we do?" And I said, "Let's follow them." And they said, "But your mom said go home, <laughs> like don't." Follow. And I said, "Let's follow them." So I was leading, and uh ends up that. uh that my friends and I got pulled over. Uh, we didn't do anything silly with their car. My friend turned off his lights and turned them back on to try to like flash them. And, and during that time, that was something that gangs were doing, uh, uh, apparently. And so they pulled us over and we're three, you know, uh, we're three white suburban youths who, um, you know, uh, are pretty nervous and, uh, and 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 we all get curfew violation tickets one of the fun things to come out of that is our friend joe he was sitting in the back and and they're asking him for like his information his name his address his, his his uh id number he's like i don't have an id and they said social security number, and he went, social security number? And so we always joke about that. And he was like, well, it was a little chilly that night. And we're like, whatever, you're nervous. But anyways, all I just say is sometimes I've, I've, I've always had this pastoral shepherding heart. And sometimes I've led well, and sometimes I've led astray. Hopefully now I'm leading not astray, but it's part of who I am. And, and what I love is when people can identify that in me as well. And people see me, and they can go, hey, I know what you are. (laughs) Like You are a pastor. I've had that happen several times to affirm and confirm those things. And I have to accept that. And in accepting that, that also means I'm not some other things. And that's not a problem. It's just I am, as Paul said, I am what I am. But have you accepted your gifts? I want us to ask this question because I believe that before we can give thanks, we have to accept that which we've been given. And a lot of times, like in our mask, we call it humility, but I think it's really masking pride and arrogance. When people say, uh, you know, when, when, when they go, man, you're really gifted, <laughs> no, not me. Uh, sometimes we can't give thanks for things because, A, we haven't accepted that we have them. Or we think it would be wrong to acknowledge that God in his grace has gifted us certain things. And so I just want us to think about these things. But before we get to this part where he talks about uh, giving the gifts and using the gifts to serve one another, uh, he begins this section section with a statement with a line that says, the end of all things is near. And so before we ever get to the gifts, I think we need to address that because since since Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, we've been like his disciples. And y'all remember in Acts chapter 1, right before Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, they were like, is now the time that you're going to establish the kingdom? They were asking the question, is now the time? And we've been asking that question ever since. And and then you look on the global stage of things and you go, oh man, now must be the time. And um, I'm not one of those pastors who wants to put people in fear <coughs> or dread or misread and misinterpret things. And so I'm just going to encourage y'all today that uh, I, I'm just going to set y'all up today that we're, we're really not going to go to that place. Um, oops, here we go. All right. Uh, we're not going to go to that place, but I want to give an understanding about what he means whenever he says, uh, the end of all things is near. I'm going to get the right slide up there eventually, all right? So uh, so we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about this. If, if Just generally, if you think the end of all things is here, what does that do to your heart? Does, does that open you up typically? If somebody says, hey, w- w- watch out, the end is near, do you go, oh, I'm going to be open, I'm going to be hospitable, I'm going to be generous, I'm going to be loving? Or does that make you want to be guarded, make you want to protect those who you love? I think about a mother hen who's like, come here, come here, babies, right? And, and I think this is really important because we are, we are in the end, quote unquote, and if people want to say, well, we're in the end times, well, that's, I, I always say, yeah, because it's not yesterday, it's Today. And every day that it's today is closer to the day that Jesus is going to return. But I can promise you it's not because of some timeline that we need to fall. In Christ, all things have been fulfilled. And so I, we have to take that in. We have to ingest that. We have to let that sink in and go, hey, Jesus could have come back 50 days after he left. He's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament covenants promises in him are all everything is yes and amen. So. So I know that we get enamored with this. And as we get enamored with this and we think about the end, I wonder what it does to your heart. Does it make your heart open? Does it make your heart open to strangers and foreigners? To people who have different religious beliefs and understandings? Or do you feel like you have to protect yourself from all those people? Those people. Interestingly, Peter doesn't say, close yourself off. He says, open yourself up. So here's where we'll begin reading. 1 Peter chapter four, verses seven through 11. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. He has just told them that God is going to be the one who judges and we need to entrust ourselves to the judgment, uh, to his just judgment. And then he comes and he says, but the end of all things is at hand. He says, be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. If we think about these words, sobriety and watching unto praying, um, you can think about, uh, being sound of mind. You can think about being tempered or disciplined. And he's saying, I want you to have a soundness of mind and I want you to have like a, a tempered spirit. And he says, and this said, whenever it says, watch unto prayer, it's actually this Greek word ice into. And so it's like you, this soundness and this temper, you know, disposition should lead you into your prayers and it should lead your prayers. Like you, you you shouldn't be like, Oh no, like I'm so afraid and I don't know where to go. It's like, Hey, in my, in my soundness of mind, I know that I can go to the rock. I can go and I can take my fears, my worries, my dreads, my complaints, my concerns, my praise, my joy, my um, my hope. I can bring it all to him and I can be prayerful in this moment where we just heard the end is near. And so he calls for a soundness of mind, calls for uh, like a, a temperament that is that is under control, a disciplined temperament. And I think that's very interesting because how many people today want you to be of sound mind and of a tempered disposition whenever you think about israel or hamas or you think about the border and you think about all the all, all the people coming across our border or you think about ukraine and russia and china and oh my goodness just calm down everybody is that what they're saying or they're saying you can't be calm about this stuff hey listen i can be afraid and know what to do with my fear And if I'm going to be tempered in the spirit, then I'm going to take my fear and I'm going to say to my God, hey, like David said, hey, uh, my enemies are all around me. Where are you at? Where are you at? I need you, Lord. So I love that he starts out with like this idea of like, hey, you know, don't be afraid and run for the hills. He just says, be sober. Be tempered. Watch into prayer. He says, above all things. Have fervent charity among yourselves. He doesn't just say have a love among yourselves. He says fervent charity. He he'll like love each other with a fervor. And he we can talk about this among ourselves in, within the church. And, 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 and I would always say this. Look, it's really good that we love ourselves within our local New Testament body. But this is little c church that we love and we, uh, we find, we find comfort in, but there's big C church out there. And we want to love other people who are not part of this, this congregation, but all the brotherhood, right? All of our brothers and sisters, we want to come alongside them. We want to love them. We want to, um, be fervent in charity towards them. You know what? You, when you can't be fervent in charity is whatever you're going, you're comparing yourselves to one another or you're in competition with one another. I can't be fervent in love with another church if I'm sitting there and I'm going, man, they got all the stuff that we don't have. I can't be fervent in charity with another church if I go, hey, listen, I, I'm ministering to this person and I'm ministering to them just because I love them and because it's the love of Christ. Not, I'm ministering to this person and so that they can become part of my church. And a lot of pastors do that, but a lot of people do that. A lot of times we love each other until while we're in here, and then you go to another church, and it's like, I'm sorry, we just can't love you anymore. I've seen that happen. Have you experienced that happening? That's just an aside point. But he says, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Charity covers a whole, love covers a whole lot of fault, a whole lot of wrong. (laughs) Let's think about that for a second. How does that work? Well, if I love you and you do something to me uh, that's offensive, that's egregious, then in my love, I don't go talk about you. In my love, I go talk to you and I say, hey, what you did is you offended me and it hurt. And, and, And in your love and in my love, we can come and we can be reconciled one to another. Or in my love, whenever you do something that is maybe offensive or egregious to me and I go, oh man, God, like that hurt my heart. And the Lord says, yeah, I know. But do you like, let's think through it and let's process it. And I can go to the father and the father could actually minister to me and go, hey, you know what? I'm just going to let it go and I'm going to forgive them. Now, I'm going to warn you. Some people say, well, I've let it go and you never let it go. I've forgiven and you've never really forgiven. You've never really forgiven. There's still bitterness, resentment, angst towards that individual. But it's a hard thing for us to do because love says, I'm not going to go talk to, I'm not going to sit there with my wife and bad mouth the person who hurt me. But in love, I'm going to address that person. That's how you can cover sins. That's one way that you can think about it. How does love cover a multitude of sins? Because in love, I'm going to do the loving thing. In love, I'm going to take the steps that are necessary, the steps that Jesus lays out in Matthew chapter 18, for instance. In love, I'm going to seek to gain a brother or sister rather than be willing to lose a brother or sister in love. Just one way that we can think about it. And then he says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Another way that you could say this positively is use hospitality with cheerfulness. With joy. Be hospitable to one another. And I think it's interesting that he says without grudging or he says do this joyfully because uh, because guess what? You know that sometimes it becomes a burden to help people. To welcome them in. We had four dogs, five dogs at our house yesterday. Two of them are our own. A year ago today I said yes to getting a puppy dog. And I'm not going to lie, I regret it. But I'm also, in my regret, I'm going to love that dog well. Um, (coughs) But we said yes to a puppy dog, so that took our house from one dog to two dogs. Our friends, uh, they have two dogs, and uh, they moved away, but they're visiting in this weekend, and they're staying with us, so their two dogs came. And I'm not talking about baby, like little, like cute little, like eight, 15-pound dogs. I'm talking about they're all like 65 pounds plus and then our friend and we need to be praying for our friend lucia she has als and she's at the hospital right now she's gonna have to have her gallbladder uh removed and that is a very 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 difficult situation for somebody with als but uh, we have a great community of friends around them and um and uh, we happen to be the ones who who the way that we could help was we could take their dog bella And I'm glad that we could open up our home to our friends and their dogs and to our friend's dog. But it gets a little much. (laughs) It gets a little much. Uh, How cheerful were you yesterday whenever you, you were trying to take a nap and those dogs were barking? Yeah, she was very, she, she, she was like, I can tell you what it is to be hospitable with grumbling, and with much complaint. And it, it, I know it too because I can't, I'm not just trying to pick on her, but you know, if she needs to be rebuked, here it is, you know. I want you all to see what what's he saying there, though. He's saying, be open. Uh, let's talk about these things before i get just going too crazy uh the end of all things is near um Here's, here's what I'll just encourage y'all. We can do some study on this, and if you want to have a greater conversation about it, we can have a deeper conversation about it. But uh, a lot of people will look at this and go, Peter has an end point in mind, like a termination point. Like, Jesus is coming back a, 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 a imminently. And Peter would have believed that, but whenever he talks about, like, we're in the end times or, 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 or that the end is at hand or is near— um, when we think about that, Pete, we should we should think in this term, and, and I think N.T. Wright says it really well. He, we should think of this being like we are in the final act of God's redemptive plan. Jesus has been revealed; everything has been fulfilled in. Christ, all the all the former covenants, all the promises, all that's been fulfilled in Christ, and now we are act like if, if, if you were looking at a play, you had you had you know you had Act One, Scene One, Scene Two, Scene Three, uh, Scene Four, then you have intermission, then you have uh, Act Two. And the way NT Wright says it, we're in the fifth act. Hey, think about this. Acts tells the story of the early church. And then the church doesn't stop. The story continues. And we're still writing that story is another way for us to think about this. And so Peter had asked Jesus, he was with the disciples the day that Jesus ascended into the right hand of the Father. Peter said, uh, with the other disciples, is now the time that you're going to establish your kingdom? And Jesus said to Peter, No, uh, that it's not in your power to know those things, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and, unto, uh, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you ever are reading through the book of Acts, that is the outline of the book of Acts right there. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And so Peter knows, I'm not going to put a date or a time, or I'm not going to look for a timeline. Peter knows, hey, it's not in my power to know this, it's in my power to be a witness. And a lot of people get caught up wanting it to be in their power to figure out when Jesus is coming back. We come from a tradition that was steeped in end times. Like Everybody wanted to. Let me tell you about the book of Revelation. Um, I'll just encourage you right now too, uh, pastorally, if you read Revelation as anything, first and foremost, read it as, uh, as written to seven churches that really existed and read it as, uh, as trying to speak into their historical situation. You will never understand scripture and the Bible if you don't first read it in the historical context in which it was written. The Bible was not written in a vacuum. It was written to real people in real time for real purposes and real events that they were facing. And the fact that it can transcend that is the power of the spirit. But it starts out with historical context. So this is how I would encourage you all to think about this. Yes, we are in the end. But we're no more in the end than Peter was in the end. We are in the end period. We're in the end act. We're at the final scene. And we don't know. We don't know whenever the credits are going to roll, as it were, if you want to take on that metaphor. But you and I, were living it out. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, we're, we're, this is like Jesus has been revealed and, 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 and that he's going to return. So this is the this is the final act of the drama of God's great redemptive rescue operation. And from that, he says, don't be scared. Don't be alarmed. Don't be guarded. Don't hide everything in. He says, from that, I want you to be open. I want you to be open. I want your mind to be sound. I don't want you to be living in terror. I want you to be uh, have a tempered uh, disposition and, and discipline. And I want you to, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're concerned about, bring it to God in prayer. And then he says, Hey, I want you to love each other. I want you to open yourselves up to one another. I want you to love each other fervently. I want you to be hospitable. And then he gets down to this part and he says, okay. And and, and then, then as you have received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. And this way we could say you would be doing good. You would be being good stewards of the manifold or the the, the varied gifts of God, the variety of gifts that God gives, the variety of gifts that God gives. So I want us to think about this. As every man has received the gift, have you received the gift? Have you received the gift of God's love? Let's ask that question. I asked that earlier. Have you accepted that God loves you? Period. Full stop. He, while, you, while we were in this state that you and I continue to be in, which is a state of which we are filled with a great capacity of good and a great capacity of bad, wrong, sin. God loved us. While we were in that state, he sent his son Jesus, and Jesus wanted to reveal to the world that God loves this world. And in his love, he wants to rescue us. And he knows that the only way that we can be rescued is not whenever we continue to be afraid of him, but when we can actually come into his presence with peace. And so, what did he do? He came and he showed you, I am not going to strike you with lightning bolts. I'm not here to cast you out. That's not what I'm about. What I'm about is to bring forgiveness bring rescue, but you have to accept this. Have you accepted the gift of God's love? Have you accepted the fact that as, as a beloved creature of God, as a beloved child of God, God, he, he doesn't just say, Hey, here's some people that I'm going to use, but I'm not going to use all you dollars. He says, all of you have gifts there. There's a variety of gifts. There's many gifts. He says, some people have the gift of, of speech, and they want, and I want you to use those gifts of speeches. You're, you're preaching the words of God. He says, some of you have the gift of helping others, ministering to others. So, so do it. You know, give, give some help and some encouragement to one another. I think what we're going to do in either our next DI or the DI after, we're going to talk about this a little bit more fully, like, so that we can do, like, a gifts assessment because that's probably necessary for some of us. But I want you to think about this right now. Like, if you don't know, like, what God's gifted you in, why don't you just start asking that question? Like, who do you say I am, God? Like, what what, what do you name me when you see me? He might look at you and say, you're an administrator. Right? Right? You're one who you you you're like a Barnabas. You're an encourager. You you are a you are a helper. I think about whenever I think about like helper, um, Miss Annette. I can tell you, Miss Annette uh, knows like she knows what she has to offer, and by way of cleaning. And taking care of things after we have a fellowship meal. And she's not alone in that. So if anybody else goes, well, I've helped too. I'm not. Just, please. But we, but I know. I know that I know that I know. That she's not going to be the one sitting around fellowshipping. That's Dean's job. <laughs> Dean's going to be telling stories. And that's how he's going to be encouraging and, and, and being with one another. She's going to be up. She's he's she's going to be martha Martha-ing it. <laughs> she's going to be like Martha. And she's going to be cleaning. And she's going to be doing the dishes. And she's going to be oh, taking out trash. And guess what? Our church needs that. Because if we didn't have that, if we didn't have a cleaning crew every week, which if you want to join the cleaning crew, <laughs> if we didn't have a cleaning crew every week, then we couldn't walk in like Miss Barbara did today and go, man, the carpets look really clean. I don't know why they looked particularly clean today, but they did. And she noticed it because people took time to do that. But this is the big thing is what is your gift? Have you accepted that you've been gifted? And I I, I really believe this. Until we accept that we've been gifted, A, it's going to be hard for us to identify where we can be of use for another. And I think a lot of people are stuck in this place of going, well, what can I do? I'm no good. And so you put it on the shoulders of other people that you can't identify their talents, their gifts, their abilities. And that's okay, but you also don't value your giftedness. And and here's what I would say. God's not mad at you for not valuing your giftedness. God would be broken that you don't value your giftedness. Like, God's great desire is to see that we have worth and we have value. I, n- I know that's not how it comes across a lot of times. I know it comes across like, God wants you to know that you're a worm. And no, no, he doesn't. He wants you to know that you're his beloved son or daughter. He wants you to know how much value and worth you have. You are not, you are not uh, redeemed with, 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 with precious stones that can, that, that can rot and that can corrupt. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are valued, you are precious in the eyes of our Father. He loves you. And so if you don't accept the gift, it's not like, oh, you can't accept this gift. It's, like, oh my goodness, I want you to see. Stop selling yourself so short. Stop selling me short. There's a quote from a book that I've read, um, and the book's called The Gift of Being Yourself. It's by David Brenner, or David Binner. Um, if you're going to read that, you need to re- read surrender to love first, but, um, but it says, uh, if God can love you as a sinner, why can't you? And think about that. Why can't I love me? Why can't I love others in their sinful state? Something for us to consider. But as every man has received, and today this is why I I think that this this line is important in in us accepting this and understanding this, is because we want to give thanks this week. We want to give thanks today. But before you can even minister with this gift that you've been given, you have to acknowledge that you've accepted, like, I accept this gift. And, and, And then from that, like, also, like, I give great thanks for this gift that I have, this ability that I have. This way that I can serve other people in this world uniquely, powerfully. I can confidently stand in the fact that I have something to bring to the table. Let me tell you, if you are here at Friends of Baptist Church, you have something to bring to the table. And, and I'll say it another way. Like if you're not bringing it to the table, nobody else is equipped to bring it to the table like you are. You know why God gives a variety of gifts? Because he wants us to be a community that relies upon one another. He doesn't want you relying upon yourself. He doesn't want me relying upon myself. He says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God gives. And then he says, so that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. There's a couple ways in which you could think about this bringing glory to God. You can think about this exalting God, but you could also think about this idea of manifesting God's presence. Whenever you use the gifts that God has given you to serve other people, you are, I would say it like this we've been called a kingdom of priests, you are mediating God's presence here. We pray that prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And God says, okay, I want to do that, and I want to use you. I want to partner with you to mediate my presence, my kingdom will, my kingdom way here on earth as it is in heaven. And I think about presence today because we're also going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes. and, And as we partake in the Lord's Supper, we always think about Christ being present with us. and here's the deal like it's one thing to take this beautiful this beautiful symbol that Jesus gave us to to remember him and every time we take it in we remember him it's one thing to take that this thing that we can make like so religious and so sacred and so sanctimonious and go oh of course Jesus is going to be present in that and not think whenever you pick up the phone to call somebody to say hey i wanted to have a word of prayer with you because i know you're going through a hard time that you're, you're bringing the presence of our of our Father and His Son and of His Spirit. And that place, you know, that's where heaven and earth are meeting in that moment. And it's not just the religious ideas or the the the, 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 the discipline, spiritual discipline things that we do in which we mediate God's presence and his love i think about like jesus just sitting around the table with some people and having a good time and letting them all know that they're all welcome to dine with him and in that moment it was like like that song says uh when heaven meets earth with a sloppy wet kiss right it's just it is just this is where heaven and earth are meeting right now in this moment you're actually, you actually might, I hope you get to experience that this week. Some of us during Thanksgiving, because we're going to be with family, a variety of family. It's not always feeling like heaven and earth are meeting together. But I hope you are able to experience that this week. So Peter says, hey, the end of things is at hand. And, 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 and the way that I would encourage us to consider this is the final act is, is on. And you're the final players. You're the players in the final act. What do you do in the final act? What you do in the final act is you unleash the generosity, the love, all the good resources, all the gifts that God has given you. You release them. You don't hoard them. You don't protect them. You don't go buy firearms so that you can make sure that nobody can get a hold of them. You open yourselves up. To loving and serving every last person. You start in the church, but it should not end at the church. You start with your family and friends, but it should not end with your family and friends. You go out and you give all that you have to give, but you have to know you've been given. You've been given. You have to accept what you've been given. How, again, do you accept that God has given you his son, Jesus, to be your liberating king? He's given Jesus to the world. I always like to think about this. He gave the world Jesus. We rejected him. We put him on a cross. And three days later, he gave him back. He said, he's yours. He's all yours. He's the king you need. He's all yours. I'm, I'm not taking him back. Do you accept his love? Do you accept what he's given you to be able to do? Not just to serve others, but it is in service of others. Have you accepted what He's been given you to be able to bring His presence, His kingdom, His will, His way to bear on earth here today as it is in heaven? If you have accepted the gift, then I think you have so much reason to be grateful. And my hope and my prayer is that today we will be grateful. And that as we go from this place, we will live out of this gratitude and be generous. Fervently, feverishly generous with all that we've received. Will you all join me in a word of prayer? Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I ask that you would be with us over these next few minutes as we reflect on what you've, we've heard from you today. Uh, Lord, um. Might we receive that which you have for each of us? Uh, Lord, might we, yeah, might we apply to our lives that which is true that will be life-giving for us and for others? I pray these things. Uh, Brother Mitch is just going to play the piano softly, and I'm going to give you all a few moments. I want you all to reflect on what God is talking to you about. Maybe you know, maybe you can hear God like throughout the, throughout the sermon, something stuck out to you and you're like, man, I need to, I need to talk to God about that. Maybe you're here today and you go, man, uh, I've, I heard those questions earlier. Have I accepted that God loves me and that he's given me his son, Jesus, and that he, he's given me his spirit. He wants to rescue me and that rescue starts with me accepting what God has given me. Maybe today you could go, I mean, I've never accepted that, but today would be the day that you want to accept that. Here's what I would say is, when Brother Mitch begins playing here in just a few moments, if, you, if you're going, man, I, I want to accept that, and you want to talk to somebody about that, you and I can, you can come forward, and you and I can talk right now. Or, or, or before you leave, what I would say is, is grab me and say, hey, hey, Pastor McCauley, can we talk about this? Or maybe you came with somebody who you know you love, you trust them, and you would just say, hey, I want to know more about that. I, I, I want to dig into this question a little bit more about accepting what God has given me in his son Jesus, the life that he has promised in Jesus. And so as uh, Brother Mitch begins to play, I, I would invite anybody who needs to come and if you need to pray with somebody here, talk to me about those things. But I also invite you right there just to pray right where you're at and just to talk to God about what God is talking to you about this morning, Brother Mitch.